welcome to the I Am a Feminine Leader podcast, conversations with women who have transformed challenging life experiences into powerful lessons that have inspired community building in all aspects of their lives. I am your host, Michelle Hersayak Nesit, Community Design and Impact Specialist, here to activate the community builder in you with inspiring stories practical tools, and strategies that anyone with passion and vision for community building can use to amplify their impact. Let's get started, shall we? Welcome back to the show, everybody. This week, I am joined by a beautiful human being that I had the pleasure to be introduced to from a mutual friend, Salima Kassam is the executive director of Rise Calgary, which is a nonprofit that works towards ending scarcity in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. She is the recipient of a Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal, and she is a globetrotter, an expat who has traveled all over the world supporting nonprofit organizations and communities. So thank you so much for being here, Salima, and I would love for you to share with our listeners what community means to you. Thank you for having me. And um, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and, and to getting to know the podcast. I've uh, had a great listen and, and learned a lot from a lot of the speakers. So happy to be here. Community to me means trust. And I think that for me, that, that's what I've been thinking about a lot in the, over the last little while through the pandemic. It was really just about where trust is and how trust can shape where we're going and how fragile trust really is between ourselves, between even perhaps even within ourselves. And then, of course, in the way that we interact with the rest of the world and the way that we interact with community, with our families, with our friends. For me, a lot of it comes down to trust. I did really resonate with one of your other podcast speakers about um, how, you know, community is love. And I thought that was so perfect in a lot of ways. And it's so true. And then it made me think about how Trust can go in two ways, right? Like love can build trust, but also, unfortunately, as we've seen over the last little while, fear can build trust. And it actually, fear and and fear-based thinking has sort of a way of actually bringing together people and creating a sense of trust. And it's kind of scary. Um, It kind of of worries me. Well, it worries me a lot, actually, that it can be so fragile, that sort of space between us as, as humans can be so fragile and be so full of grief. And then again, through that grief, are we building trust or are we rebuilding fear? Wow, that is really powerful, Salima. That's the first time that I've heard community described in that way. And that is one of the reasons why I love this question so much is because community has such a unique meaning for every human being based on the lived experiences that we have on this earth. The episode that Salim is referring to is Raquel Wilson. And yeah, she is an incredible human being. Her interpretation of community was love and about how we can cultivate community by bringing the best of ourselves and sharing that with others unconditionally. And what I'm hearing from you about trust is something I would love for you to dig into a little bit more because I can see your body language, how that really is so meaningful for you and how that spectrum of experience, which is love over fear, you know, how that spectrum can influence the way we trust and how we cultivate trust 
to ultimately feel in community and feel belonging with other people. So maybe you can expand a little bit more about that if you have a story to share or maybe an example of that in your own life. Sure. Well, yeah. Like, so as a leader, you know, with many leaders, we based a lot of questions and a lot of decisions very rapidly when in March of 2020, when the pandemic hit, right? And then I think in some ways things became so clear. And so within a second, you had to start making decisions and you had to make decisions that you never thought that you would have to make or had even thought of, there's no game plan, no, no strategy, um, no group of consultants to call. Um, You just, you had to go with yourself and you had to go with trusting yourself first. And then you had to go with, okay, who else do I trust? Where else am I going to find the information that I need to be able to trust the decisions that I'm going to make moving forward? And so for me, it was directly looking at a couple of the communities around me. I've always belonged to a faith-based community, and that's been a wonderful joy in my life, a wonderful asset in my life, to put it in a a really practical way. And it's also brought me elements of alienation and disappointment over the years as well, as any relationship does. So that's where I turned to first, because that's what I have the greatest trust in. I was like, okay, what is this community doing? How are they reacting in the moment right now? What is the messaging they're sending out? What are the decisions that they're making? And then I look to leaders that I trust. So very thankfully here in Calgary, Alberta at the time, we had at that time and we continue to have very strong municipal government leadership. And so I looked to the municipal government, which I know that through the last couple of years, trust in public institutions, I feel, has been eroded so greatly. But in that moment, that's where I looked. And I looked and I said, what are they doing? And how can I learn from what they're doing and how they're acting? And I followed suit from there because I did have trust in that that institution. I continue to have trust in that institution. Yeah. And I mean, community for us can be a guiding light in times of change, transition, you know, times of crisis. And that is one of the benefits of community is feeling like you're not alone, Mm -hmm. you know, and having people that you can rely on. And do you find that energy that you get from community is influencing your own self-trust or your own energy? Or do you feel that it's more about searching for alignment? Because there's definitely situations where we could be influenced and we can follow. And then there's also situations where community can awaken and inspire us to act in our own way. And so has that been your experience as well, that it's kind of helped you to awaken to your own sense of trust within yourself? Or do you find that it's a balance of the two? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a journey, especially I think if you are living out in community and a part of many communities, and and I feel very blessed to have been a part of many communities over the years. I consider myself a member of this faith-based community. I consider myself a member of the arts community. I consider myself a member of the social service and then different other affiliations. And so it can do both. It can drain you and it can inspire you. And again, through the last few years, I think that again, I personally have narrowed that and began to practice all of the self-love and the care that I need to be able to continue to do the work, to be able to continue to be energized and, and feel alive by my work and by my passions for community, rather than be drained and feel like pulling the covers in and and just watching Netflix for the rest of my life, (laughs) right? Um, It can so do both. 
I don't want to be a person living in fear, but I do have a lot of fear in terms of the where in which on a macro level we're going. Being a part of politics is a big community thing, right? And you get out there and you knock on doors. Knocking on doors is an excellent way to get to know your neighbors and get to know the pulse of a, of a community or communities. So in 2017, I knocked on a lot of doors. And at that point in time, it was just bubbling, this sort of mistrust, this sort of uh, normalization of villainy and like name calling and using extreme language to describe political leaders. It was just beginning. And unfortunately, I went out just a while ago to do some door knocking again, and it's not getting better. And these were not things that I've been door knocking since 2005, when another good friend of mine decided to, to run for politics. And we didn't have these things in our communities. People used to respect you when you came to the door, even if they didn't affiliate with the person that you were knocking for. It's like, hey, thanks for coming out. Thanks for your service. Thanks for volunteering. Not my person, whatever. But now people at the doors have seem to be emboldened, emboldened to say a lot of different things. So it does make you as a leader have to go, okay, there's only so much that we can take, right? There's only so much we can do. And there's only so much grief that we can live in. I personally have had to let a lot of that stuff go um, and let a lot of those passions go in some ways. I, I'm, we have a lot of rebuilding that we need to do, I think. Yeah. I mean, I hear you on how society has shifted with the way that we interact with civil servants and with government and culturally and from a community perspective, there have been significant shifts. And I just want to celebrate you for for being an advocate and putting yourself out there from the beginning, because that takes a lot of bravery and it takes a lot of commitment and dedication. And most people would probably just have just said, nope, not doing it this round. You know, you still tried. And that is really the quintessential quality in my mind of a community builder is someone who sees potential and Mm -hmm. seeks for that highest potential to be achieved. You know, we don't always have control over the outcome. But when we have a vision of what we want to achieve and we work towards that, that is community building. So I'm sorry to hear that campaign didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. But what is almost more impactful than the outcome of that campaign is the self-affirmation to yourself as a community builder to say, okay, this is not meant for me anymore. I can make an impact somewhere else. Let me redirect my energy. Because if there are social shifts that are happening that are preventing my impact from being influential, from being supportive to other people, I can still support. I can be that for my community in a different way. And politically, for sure, we are in a very tense, volatile time. And I know that with your work with uh, Rise Calgary, you work on the front lines with very vulnerable people in the community. And I'm curious to hear if you have any perspective to share about their experience of all of this and the things that you deal with every day with these people. Well, for the people that we serve, it also does come back down to a lot of trust and a lot of trust building. And there's, you know, we're very grateful, we, you know, at Rice Calgary for the trust that community has given us over the years. The people that, who connected to us and stay connected to us, they stay connected to us for a long time because, again, because they feel a sense of belonging. 
And because they sense a high level of trust and dignity is being offered them and reciprocated, it's that kind of a relationship. And unfortunately, the reason a lot of what we're doing is actually filling that gap from systems that unfortunately people have lost a lot of trust in. So often with Rise Calgary, when people are coming to us, they've already sort of tried to experience other systems and other processes. And sometimes they've had success and sometimes they haven't. And often trust has been eroded between themselves and those systems and institutions, whether they're shelter systems or income support systems or what have you. And so they're coming to us and we're we're in this unique position of being a bit small, a bit nimble, having some really lovely dedicated funders who support us and being nimble and flexible and being able to meet people's needs in the immediate term. And it's a gift that we can do that. And we appreciate that we can do that. And that's what builds the trust is we don't necessarily put you on a waiting list for numerous weeks. So there's, there's actually a whole set of principles that we follow that try and continue to build that trust and ensure that we're doing the, the work really well. And hopefully it resonates outwards and, and our centers do become places where people can feel a little bit more a sense of safety, sense of security, sense of self, and then bring that back out into the world and grow that in their communities. Often they do come back to us at Rise Calgary and say, hey, I have an idea for how we can build that and grow that and where we can support that we do. That's the role that we play and, and that's what we do. <laughs> yes. And it's such important work. So thank you so much for being like, I, it sounds silly, but you know, I, I say this, I started saying this during the pandemic to people that I've met and even people that I know that I've known for a while. It's like, thank you for just being you. Thank you for existing. Thank you for never giving up because there's so many things in life that we put pressure on ourselves to do, or we feel like we should do, or but we're not meant to be all things and do all things. And and so when I recognize the talents and the passions of other people, and I say, wow, like that's something that would be very difficult for me, something that I don't know if I could do. Thank goodness you are there, that you're feeling that. You know, it's really meaningful. And I know so many listeners will feel the same. Because in my family, we've been fortunate to not have been deeply affected by the pandemic. For the most part, a lot of my family members maintain their jobs. But we have other people in our lives that we knew really struggled. Some were on the brink of of losing their homes. And so those people in your community that you're supporting, a lot of them are homeless. Some of them are struggling to maintain their homes. And this is a very real reality. Like we think that homelessness or displaced people or the various terms that we have to describe a person's circumstance, it doesn't define who they are. And that is the stigma that we're facing every day when we are in our communities witnessing these things happening. There's a stigma there. And so I would love for you to share with the listeners how your organization and how you personally as an advocate for these people, fight against that stigma and help to foster a stronger sense of community amongst these people in your community? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Calgary is a really kind of fun city. Well, no, <laughs> in lots of ways. Um, but also one of the very neat things about our, our city and our plan to end poverty is that we've really engaged people who have experienced poverty in that journey. So there's lots of different avenues in which people with lived experience can participate in in both the strategizing on how to end the problem and fix the problem, solve the problem, and also give back. 
and share and have voice. And we try and do all those things for sure in a programmatic and participatory way with a lot of deep listening. A couple of other small things is wording as well, is that we're not talking about people who are poor per, per se, but we're talking about people who are living in a low income. So it's just, it's a state of being, it's a, it's a state of where you might be right now. And it's not your, as you said, it doesn't define all of you. It's just, this is where you're at right now. You're living on a low income. That's it. That's it. And so it's just sort of one way in which the, the wording of, of what we do sort of informs the dignity that we're trying to give to people and offer everyone who's ever faced living on a low income. I've lived on a low income, right? Many, many people have. And so it's just, it doesn't have to define you forever. One other thing that I like about language is that we often refer to it as the nonprofit sector, but it, I actually often try and refer to it as the social profit sector. Because really what we're doing is we are creating an element of, if you want to be so cold about a profit in community, we're creating lots of profit in community. Some quite tangible where we can actually draw a line to the return on the investments and some intangible where it goes back to that fragility and making sure that we're, we are strong and we are connected. Yeah, I love that. The social profit sector, that totally resonates with me, actually. And that is the first time I've heard that term, but it literally hit me in the heart like an arrow because I thought, yeah, that is exactly the way it is. We are in our own unconscious way, unintentionally, mind you, we're unintentionally contributing to this negative narrative about certain sectors, about certain types of organizations or communities by the language that you use. So that's a huge shift for me. Wow. Thank you for that. (laughs) And I know that for you as well, in your family and in your own lived experience, cultivating that sense of trust and building your own little community because you're trying to start a family, you have a lot of things going on in terms of emotional load. You're helping these people who are struggling financially, who have very real circumstances to face in terms of their livelihoods and their futures. And then you're also, in your own way, working to build your own family and your community within that. And so how do you self-care? How do you find the balance between these two massive emotional loads that you carry every day? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of loads that we carry as women leaders. And my staff team as well as, as frontline workers, as people who are on the ground working day in and out to be the best listeners that they can be and, and be the love and be the space for people as people are going through crisis. It's not easy work. It's really hard work. And so what I try to do is just inject some fun and some play into this into stuff. So for myself, you'll never catch me in the evening watching anything serious. <laughs> you know, I'm a comedy person all the way. I try and I pretend that I'm, I have an inner comedian. So I just, I, I run, I run with that in my off time, but uh, in, in our day-to-day work also, I just, I try to incorporate play. I try to incorporate just silly games, watching silly videos. My team knows that I, oh, Selim is probably going to throw on another silly Saturday night live three minute video to like try and make us laugh at the end of the day and stuff like that. Because I, I do come from an arts background and Ultimately, um, when we are working in the arts, we have this joy of being able to play with stuff. We get to sit in a room and unravel and play with the human experience. And I want to bring that to the people who are working in the social service because I hope that it helps and that it allows people to move through the day and deal with the fact that our days are filled with grief. A lot of the competencies that I talk about that we need to have as in our team is 
you do have to be an expert in grief. You have to be an expert in managing grief. You have to be an expert in knowing how to live with grief. And uh, that's kind of the job. And again, it's not easy, but hopefully a lot of, as much play as possible. Got to remember not to take things too seriously. Yeah, I love that so much. And don't you find that that play and that laughter and that silliness, it also kind of would help to move any energy that you might be carrying around so it can be released, really tapping into the somatics of grief and allowing energy to flow and to be expressed and then let go. Because I know for myself, sometimes if I just, if I'm in the car and I've had a rough day at work, if I play my favorite Beyonce song and I start singing and like tapping the steering wheel, like, you know, that's all I need to make whatever I'm carrying, like just to shake it off. So I love that you do that so much for your team. I actually have a very similar approach to you because I like to share funny memes, (laughs) you know, like sometimes just like in emails and you know, anything that will make people mm-hmm. smile. It, it's such a gift when you have people on your teams who can remind you of some joy or and help you to get through those days. Yeah, thank you so much for doing that. And so, Salima, while we wrap up, I would love for you to share what's happening at Rise Calgary, what's happening in your community, and how our listeners can support. Sure, yeah. There's lots of good stuff going on at Rise Calgary. If you want to find us, uh, you can just find us at risecalgary.ca. You can also find us on a platform called canadahelps.org, which is a giving platform where you'll automatically get a tax receipt should you want to give. And what we do is we offer emergency financial support and basic need supports to people when people are facing an immediate crisis. But we also offer uh, long-term empowerment programming. And that's where we're working with people often for a year, two years to really build your sense of self as well as your asset picture to help you start to move out of poverty and into a, a higher income or a middle income. And we're, we've got some exciting new projects on the go. One is that we're actually working on Nation here in Alberta and Siksika Nation for the next uh, little while. Um, working on tax filing um, and getting people access to benefits and income supports in their lives. So that's really fun. And then we're also going to be in the next year or so launching as well a, a bit of a giving platform where we're going to be doing a lot more storytelling and really trying to bring more and more Calgarians into the work that we do. The work that we do, unfortunately, is facing high demand and unfortunately is growing in complexities. And so what we're really, our strategy for that over the next little while is through community. We're really leaning into a phrase that was coined by Mayor Nenshi while he was mayor of Calgary called my neighbor's strength is my strength. And so we're launching volunteer strategy and a sort of a call into Calgary. We, we need your help. And so uh, come on in, come to Rise Calgary and participate in helping us fight scarcity and end poverty in our city. Oh, I so love that so much. My neighbor's strength is my strength. I love that. Yeah. Well, good luck with all of these projects. I would love to stay up to date on how things are going with you because I do travel to Calgary on the regular and I'm always looking for things that I can pop into and contribute. So I will stay in touch. And for anyone listening, if you're in the Calgary area, I really encourage you to reach out to Salima, check out Rise Calgary, and to make your voice and your present seen and heard. Meet new people and also to have that purpose-driven action in your day that for so many of us, we've experienced some form of isolation during this pandemic. Give yourself the gift of community by supporting someone less fortunate, by putting yourself out there in a new way. 
That is the beauty of community, I think, is how we can just express ourselves in such unique ways just by being open to experience. So thank you so much, Salima, for being here. And tune in next week for another incredible community building story.